Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Stocks have covered a ton of ground over the past few weeks, showing some strength off the retest of the lows put in at the end of September. But we got a lot going on right now. We have Fed policy and how to navigate that. You have earnings season. And more importantly, we're getting forward guidance from the companies that are reporting. And now very soon we have the midterm election. So let's get some clarity on all these things that are floating around. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. All right, let's bring on Jim Welsh macro strategist and portfolio manager at macro tides in san diego you got to be sure to check out that website again that's macrotides.com. jim great to have you on the gains podcast always uh happy to join you of course as mentioned in the lead stocks have covered a lot of ground since uh popping off those lows and that's where i want to start today just get your take on recent market activity yeah well, uh, a couple of things. Obviously, Friday was a very important day uh, from on a number of levels. Um, as you know, uh, and as I've written extensively, over the last four or five months, uh, members of the uh, Federal Reserve, the FOMC committee, which is the, uh, if you will, the committee that decides when to raise rates and, <clears throat> and decides uh, monetary policy, they've been speaking with one voice. Uh, so back in March, when they said, okay, we're going to start raising rates, and then the message was we're going to raise them to neutral, and every single Fed member uh, was saying the same thing. And the reason why that was significant, Andy, and has been over the last four or five months, is that there's a disparity between those who are more hawkish about monetary policy, like James Bullard from the St. Uh, Louis Fed, and Neil Kashkari, who's the, been you know the most consistent dove on the FOMC, from Minneapolis. And so what's happened the last four or five months is they were both saying the same things. And historically, that's not the way it breaks. So, uh, you know, the Fed meets on November 2nd. They're going to raise the Fed funds rate again by 75 basis points from 3% to 3.75. And my expectation was that was after November 2nd, that we would start to see some differences start to show up, which some members would begin to say, oh, maybe we're moving pretty quick. If you will, laying the groundwork for the Fed to choose at the December 14th meeting to raise the funds rate by 50 basis points in 75. And on Friday, there was a report 
uh, that the FOMC, in a sense, planted with the Wall Street Journal that said, oh, yeah, they're starting to have discussions about what they're going to do uh, and discuss at the November 2nd meeting in preparation for the December meeting. So that was a departure from what had been happening over the last four or five months where the Fed has pushed back very hard against the idea of doing anything other than what they've been telling markets that they were going to do. That's a key component because I I think a lot of the market participants were basing their investment decisions on on kind of a false belief. Explain. Well, the Fed, you know, has been very specific in in pushing hard so that if we go back, uh, people were looking for the Fed in July and August to raise the funds rate and then in early next year, bring it down. And at the Jackson Hole speech, Chair Powell very strongly pushed against that. The, the Fed used the dot plots at the September meeting saying, no, we're going to keep raising the funds rate. It'll be 4.4% at the end of this year, 4.6% in March. So they've been speaking with one voice. The market started to, if you will, finally believe them. Last week, the federal funds futures got up to 5%. So for months this year, uh, Wall Street wasn't believing that the Fed was going to follow through on what they were saying they were going to do. And then all of a sudden, in the last couple of weeks, the, you know, the one-note messaging from the Fed seems to really you know, struck home to the extent that Wall Street is, oh, no, no, they're not going to 4.6. They're going to go to 5% by next April. So that's been the, the shift. So having then this article in the Wall Street Journal appear, uh, and then on top of that, later on Friday afternoon, Mary Daly, who is another dove, but has been you know, saying the same things as all the other Fed FOMC members, uh, said, you know what, we've you know, we got to strike a balance here between how fast we raise rates and at the risk of you know, leading the economy into a recession, but at the same time not cutting back on rate increases uh, and not getting inflation down. So just opening the door a crack. That's why the market rallied as much as it did off the lows of Friday morning and why it had followed through both on Monday and, and Tuesday is the idea that, hey, maybe the Fed will only go by 50 basis points. And the point I would make is uh, a downshift in terms of the rate, the magnitude of the rate increase is not a pivot. And yet a lot of people on Wall Street Andy, I've been saying, oh, yeah, that's like, that represents a pivot. No, it doesn't. It just means they're going to slow the magnitude uh, of rate increases. They're going to continue to raise rates probably in the first part of next year. It's just um, they came to a point where they need to slow down a little bit. And I wrote about that, that this was coming in the October 17th weekly technical review. So that article showing up on Friday really wasn't a surprise uh, because I thought it was coming. What did surprise me that it happened the day before the blackout period. So the Fed, no one, no one can speak for 10 days before November 2nd. That's the rules. So Friday was the last day anything could be done. So the fact that the FOMC reached out, had somebody at the Wall Street Journal publish this article, article and then Mary Daly followed up, to me was noteworthy that the Fed was beginning to get concerned about how the markets were trading. This is all happening with the backdrop of a a pretty decent earnings season and, more importantly, guidance going forward. It seems like uh, this particular corporate earnings season, and we talked about the guidance, is actually shaping up a little better than I think some folks anticipated as well. So your thoughts on earnings? 
Yeah, well, I think we have to, again, dial back in late July, as I said, the uh, you know GDP was reported to be down 0.9% in the second quarter, and the first quarter GDP was down 1.6. So as soon as you had two consecutive quarters, a lot of people rushed, in my opinion, to judgment. Oh, we're in a recession. We're already in a recession. And, uh, you know, that then shaped, gee, what's going to happen to earnings in the third quarter? You know, people preparing for less than stellar numbers. And you and I talked about, uh, you know, that rush to judgment regarding the economy being in recession in August. I pushed back very hard against it, saying we were not in a recession. And we went through a bunch of indicators, and I'm not going to bore anybody for, you know, a repeat, if you will. But the data that has come out in September and October, Andy, I think has reaffirmed that the economy is not in a recession, still doing okay. Well, what does that do for earnings? It means earnings aren't going to be as bad as maybe people thought they might be because the economy is, in fact, doing okay. So that that GDP report <clears throat> shaped both the expectation that the Fed would raise rates and then be forced to cut them quickly and that earnings would be weaker than expected in the third quarter, and it hasn't you know, been true. Um, I, I would say uh, you know, six, nine months from now, it's going to be a different story. One of the indicators that I rely on, and I know you've talked about the, the yield curve inversion, um, where the two-year Treasury yield goes above the 10-year. Historically, it is a, a very good recession predictor, if you will, but the lead time is 19 months. I prefer the leading economic indicators that is a uh, composition of 10 separate economic data points, including the yield curve. And what that, that indicator has kind of forewarned the recessions 10 months in advance, and if you use a six-month rate of change, it drops to less than seven months. Well, in August and September, it turned negative. So to me, that is suggesting that as we go out seven, eight months from now, uh, middle of next year, the economy is going to show more signs of weakening. In effect, all the tightening that the Fed has done from raising rates from 0% in March to 3.75 on November 2nd, you know, the impact is a lag of six to nine months or longer. So, again, that's the reason why earnings haven't been as bad in the second or the third quarter, pardon me, because the full impact of what the Fed has done with rates hasn't had a chance to work through the economy in total. We've seen it in housing, but the full impact won't be known and felt until we get closer to the middle of next year. And I think that's when we're going to see earnings estimates really be forced to, to come down. Uh, because I think the economy is going to show a lot more signs of slowing and potentially going into a recession as we get towards the middle of next year. We'll have an election coming, the midterms coming uh, fast and furious. Uh, we'll get results here in just a couple weeks. And then we're going to also take a technical look at the market. But we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Jim Welsh. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I've been told that's podcast gold would appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new gains episode drops. We drop gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back after the break.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, back with Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com out of San Diego. And Jim always shares an email uh, so you can get some additional information happy to all you have to do uh, my website is macrotides.com but if you would like me to send you the october issue of macrotides <clears throat> which looked at a lot of different aspects regarding the economy inflation what can we expect on that front as well as monetary policy send an email to jim welsh w-e-l-s-h macro m-a-c-r-o at gmail.com and i'm happy to send you the october issue and take Jim up on that. So as we were heading into break, you know, the midterms are coming. And uh, I've talked about the buildup to them. I, I've said all along, at least for like the last month on this podcast, that it seems to me that, you know, generally financial markets like split government. It appears that the Republicans are going to at least take the House. They may take the Senate uh, as well, though that's a lot more competitive. Kind of feels to me, just watching elections over the years, that we are having a run up into the midterms with that thought in mind, a split government. And I'm kind of feeling like it may be a, when we get that result, uh, depending on what they are, if it's it's both the House and Senate, but that split government, I think that the uh, the markets are going to rally into the midterms. It may be a sell-the-news event once we get results. You know, markets never like uncertainty. We talk about it all the time. But your thoughts about the midterms and as, as markets are, are rising as we head towards them, uh, your, your thoughts on how yeah. things are playing out and what might happen? Well, if we, again, going back to monetary policy, <clears throat> you know, inflation has been at a 40-year high. As we all know, and when we go to the grocery store every day, we're reminded. Uh, and a lot of things have contributed to inflation being this high. Um, obviously, the Ukraine war uh, is one aspect. 
the government distrib- distributing trillions of dollars in 2021 and 2020, uh, people spending those monies and so forth. So spending has been a component of the, f- the surge in inflation. And, you know, looking back at recent legislation, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, well, there is some spending in that. Uh, uh, Forgoing student loan debt, well, that means, you know, people who were paying loans will have to pay them and they'll have money for more spending. So, in other words, the idea being is the Federal Reserve is trying to damp down demand in order to bring inflation down. Since they can't do anything about creating more oil, more people and more workers, uh, more food to bring food prices down, they can raise rates to hurt demand. So anything that comes along, Andy, that you know supports or increases demand will make the Fed's job a little harder. So with that as a backdrop, going into the election, if the Republicans take the House, one of the you know the, uh, either House or Senate or both, it really uh, will limit how much additional spending we'll see out of Congress over the next two years. I think investors are going to look at that aspect and say that makes the job of for Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve maybe a little bit easier. There won't be more money coming in to goose demand as we get into next year. And as a result, uh, not that the Republicans will have anything directly to do with it, but it might uh, eliminate the potential and risk of more spending that would keep inflation higher than otherwise. So that, to me, is why one of the reasons why, uh, if that happens, the markets are likely to rally uh, because it will mean that the Fed's job might be a little bit easier. They won't have to raise rates as high uh, and also entertain the risk of a recession. And then where do markets shape up? Technically, um, and, and, and just kind of go through that. We yeah. we often talk about different levels. Be specific. What levels yeah. are, are the, the key levels you're watching right now to kind of gauge where things are headed? Well, my expectation uh, as the market made a bottom in mid-October, Andy, was that we were going to see a rally. A, the market was extremely oversold. Uh, and what we've seen this year is in January when the market got really oversold, May got really oversold, there was a bounce, and then it dropped to a lower low. And that's what happened in October into mid-October. Then in both other instances in March um, and in June, there was a rally, and then another decline into July. And market breadth each time was less negative. And that, to me, was a symptom and a sign that the market was going to rally. And I think something is shaping up uh, similarly in that my expectation is that the S&P over the next three to six weeks has the potential to rally up towards 4,000 to 4,100 on the S&P 500. Now, this Thursday, uh, the first estimate for third quarter GDP is going to come out. And I believe it's going to be a positive number. It could be 2% or even a little bit better than 2%. And the reason why that will be important is that people, uh, after last Friday, thinking, oh, my gosh, the Fed is going to be able to go 50 basis points at the December meeting instead of 75. If the GDP report on Thursday comes out uh, showing decent growth, it's going to you know, kind of bring back some of the fears, oh, maybe that – 
a GDP number is so strong, it won't allow the Fed to go 50 basis points instead of 75. So my expectation was that the S&P would rally up to 38.50, which it hit and exceeded by a small amount today. There would be another pullback. And as long as any pullback holds above 36.50, Andy, I think after this next pullback, there'll be a rally that, as I said, takes the S&P up uh, toward the 4,000 round number. So uh, that's my expectation over the next handful of weeks. Do you think that a recession eventually kicks in, knocks the market around a little longer? That's the short term. What's the longer look? Okay. Um, you know, as I said earlier, the street has constantly been like, okay, the Fed's going to not do this or the Fed's going to raise rates and then bring down. And I think the one thing that the market hasn't really fully absorbed is the FOMC said that it wants to raise the funds rate to a restrictive level. You know, my take is it won't go above four and a quarter, but I might be wrong. Uh, But the more important point in terms of instead of just whatever the level is, they intend to hold it, Andy, at that level through all of next year. So they're trying to avoid the mistakes of the 1970s, where they overreacted to bursts of inflation by raising rates too aggressively, leading to a recession, forcing them to reverse course. And the net result is inflation never really came down much and went to a higher high all throughout the 1970s. They don't want that to happen. So I think what the street is missing is that the Fed is going to raise rates at a high level. Then they're going to hit uh, the pause button for an extended period of time. As the economy shows more and more signs of slowing, as I said, the leading economic indicator suggests that a recession around middle of next year is pretty likely. And that means earnings have to come down. And I don't think the market has really dealt with that. You know, earnings potentially could be down five or 10 percent next year. So that's the other shoe to drop. And I think, again, it gets back to. Most of the people on Wall Street, even if they've been around 25, 30 years, they've got a, a, you know, a lot of good experience, but they don't have the experience of dealing with 40-year highs in inflation and the monetary policy needed to bring it down and keep it down. And I think that is what the Fed is going to deliver as we get into next year. So my belief here is we get this rally, um, and then as we get into next year, I think the S&P has a chance to go to a lower low uh, down around 3,200 uh, if indeed a you know, recession starts to look even more likely and Wall Street earnings have to be uh, reduced. So that's my expectation is that, yes, this is a rally, and then there's another leg down uh, before the Fed is actually able to do a, a real pivot. In other words, instead of slowing the rate of increases, instead of raising them anymore, <clears throat> actually cutting them. And I think sometime by the middle of next year, the probability of that happening will be much, much higher. And that's when the market can launch a brand new bull market. And then how do you play this? Uh, What's the play uh, knowing that's going to occur long term and then still being aware of this uh, short term or this rally that's to come in the short term? Well, you have to be more tactical. In other words, people who buy and hold are just going to sit through the ups and downs. And that's just the way they've been educated to do this. Um, If somebody has the skill level and can take a look at the market, um, you know, proactively to be able to trade some of these swings, that is how you can take advantage of it. Simply going along the S&P 500 is an easy way. Low-cost ETFs to do that, SPY, uh, and there are some mutual funds 
uh, from Vanguard that mimic the S&P 500. Uh, but one has to be understanding that, okay, I'm buying it and I may be out of this in three, four, five weeks from now. So I'm not caught up in the next leg down. And so that you don't do that with your entire portfolio. The idea is diversification. Well, there's diversification of investment style. So there's buy and hold. That's an investment style and strategy. And then there's tactical. And so I believe. Or how about incorporate that, a little dollar cost into the mix as well when well, you're going into kind positions? Of, yeah, that's another kind of, um, you know, a, a blending a little tactical with uh, buy and hold. But that means you have to be religious about when the market's down and you're afraid and worried, oh, gee, it might go down some more. You, you put the money in that you're supposed to be putting in. And that's the discipline part that sometimes people have more difficulty with in doing as opposed, hey, the market's going up. It's time for me to put money in. Maybe I'll but, put a little But that discipline <laughs> is key. I think, I think if we could yeah. get more people to be disciplined and be less re- just knee-jerk reactive and, 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 and apply some real strategy with the dollar cost in and out might be a, a, a really good advice and, and the next level for somebody who's listening to this. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, again, um, I, the idea of just buying and holding works beautifully in a secular bear market. So since 1982, obviously since 2009, you know, the trend of the market has been decidedly up. But we have seen in the last 130 years four secular bear markets that consume about 15 years of time. And the last one was 1966 to 1982, a smaller version between 2000 and 2009. And so my point, Andy, is we're on the cusp of another secular bear market. And I am just working on a piece that goes through, well, why I believe that, the fundamental reasons why I believe that. And the point being is that in a secular bear market where the declines may exceed the advances, buy and hold is not going to work very well. One has to become more tactical, at least with a portion of a portfolio, whether it's 10 percent or 20 percent, to hopefully take advantage of the opportunities that are presented in a secular bear market where you get big rallies because the market has just gone down 20 percent. So it's just a different mindset. And most people are not going to be and aren't prepared. One last comment that makes me think that my idea that a secular bear market will be we either entered it already in January, Andy, or within the next couple of years. Um, But what I've seen is more and more push on, well, if you missed the five best days in the last 40 years, your return would have been 60% less than what it would have been if you had just bought and held. And my point is that is so disingenuous. It would take an enormous amount of skill to miss the five best days every year for 40 years. You know, that's just ridiculous. It would be... Yeah, that's a really deceiving... uh set of numbers yeah. or just, because first of all i mean there's decision making in and out yeah that that that's that's deceiving at the well, least. well they're just saying hey don't ever think about getting out just hang in there for the long term and um it, it, because if you try to get in and out you got to make two decisions you got to make one to get out and you got to make the other one to get in and oh my god and if you miss the five days you're really in trouble but my point but that's is the that, next level of investing as well. I mean, yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, you no, can no, you, I, you can <laughs> over the years buy and hold, buy and hold, buy and hold, yeah, buy yeah. and hold. But 
you know, and we're gains. I mean, this is the gains podcast. That kind of stuff, you know, getting out of just that buy and hold mentality and actually making a couple decisions on the market responsibly yeah. is 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 taking it to the next level, which I think a lot of our listeners are trying to do now. Yeah, and especially again when it's geared to what's happening with monetary policy. The market historically does really pretty good when the Fed is accommodative, cutting interest rates and so forth. At the same time, historically, the market struggles when the Fed is stepping on the brakes, especially when they're stepping on the brakes hard. So, you know, to finish that other thought, it would be equally disingenuous and, in my view, dishonest. If somebody put a bunch of numbers together and said, you know, if you bought and hold, you made a thousand bucks, you know, this is what you made. But if you missed the five worst days every year going the last 40 years, you would have had three times as much money. Well, come on now. That's not possible either. So to your point, Andy, um, listeners need to learn more about technical analysis because that is the only path to becoming more tactical with the money that you're managing. And it may take you five years to learn the necessary skills, but believe me, it will serve you well for the rest of your investing life to you know, acquire those skills. It isn't rocket scientists. I mean, it's really a lot of it is common sense. So, um, and and most importantly, discipline. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you have the parameters then to uh, help with that discipline. Uh, whereas if you're just buying and holding or you're looking at economic news, uh, it's like the Federal Reserve. I like to say they're driving the car looking through the rearview mirror, because all the economic data is obviously has a certain amount of age on it. And in reality, to get a composite view of what's happening with the economy, they're looking through the rearview mirror at what the economy was doing six months ago or longer. Because, again, when the Fed changes monetary policy from accommodation to tightening, it takes six, nine, 12 months for all those rate increases to fully work their way through the economy. So when the Fed looks in the rearview mirror now, they're seeing the economy how it was in, in the, uh, the spring, not what it's going to look like next June. And, and so that's why typically the Fed has raised rates too far, causing a recession. This Fed has looked at the 1970s. They want to avoid making that st- mistake. And that's why they've charted the, cat, the, the path of we're going to raise rates to 4 percent, 4 and a quarter. And then we're not going any further because that will increase the risk of a, a, you know, a deeper recession that would force us to do an about face. Instead, we're going to keep it that, at that level. So as the tightening that we've done works its way into the economy over the subsequent six months, uh, you know, we will we, avoid going too far, too fast and pushing the economy uh, into a recession. So, um, as I said, I don't think Wall Street has grasped that part because consistently this year they've totally misread the Fed. And I think it's due to the lack of experience. As crazy as that sounds, somebody yeah. in the business 30 years, very experienced, but never with a 40-year high in, mon- uh, in inflation and the monetary policy required to bring it down. You only know what you know. Um, hey, a real quick, uh, a couple ideas. Do you have a couple investment yeah. ideas, A couple, just a couple things that we can toss in the mix here? Yeah, I, I still, you know, when we talked on October 4th, we talked about oil stocks. 
Uh, I still think that they're, uh, you know, a relatively safe place to go. Uh, XLE and XLP, which is more volatile than XLE, were the two, uh, you know, ETFs that you and I talked about. I talked about uh, TLT, which is the long-term treasury bond ETF. Uh, When we talked about it on October 4th, it was trading a little bit over $102 a share. Now it's down around 95. So that was a bad recommendation. But a couple things happened uh, that this week I explained in the weekly technical review. But I think, Andy, if we look out into the first half of next year, the Fed is going to downshift. Ultimately, they're going to hit the pause button. The economy is going to more show signs of slowing, potentially running in toward a recession. And guess what? Inflation is going to come down significantly in the first part of next year. All those things should be good for bringing treasury yields down. So I still like TLT in it. If you didn't follow me, uh, you know, three weeks ago, yeah, you're getting a better price uh, uh, right now. I'd wait for the GDP report, though, on Thursday, if I'm right. Uh, that, you know, there's a good chance uh, Treasury yields will tick higher on that GDP report. Um, and that's basically, I think, those three. And, uh, again, I'm waiting for a time when we get closer to the point where the Federal Reserve will actually start to cut rates or the prospect of them cutting rates uh, will be realistic. That's not the case now. So I just think you have to put a trading hat on or just, you know, uh, try to raise some cash when the market does rally. Any interest in uh, energy and any other ideas uh, as we get set to wrap up today? No, well, healthcare is another one because that's a defensive sector. We're an aging population, so the symbol on that is XLV, uh, which is the healthcare uh, ETF. And, um, you know, that has defensive characteristics in, in the sense that it has a bay less than one. So if the S&P goes down by 1%, XLV will go down, you know, maybe 75 bips. It has held up remarkably well this year. I mean, I think it's barely down on the year. And the S&P, as we all know, you know, was uh, last week was down, what, 24 25%. Uh, it's bounced since then. So that's another defensive sector that I think will have some upside but more importantly, you know, I think we'll offer some downside protection if the outline that I've put forth, uh, you know, comes true. As we wrap up uh, today's Gains podcast, any final thoughts? So we've covered a, a ton of ground, got a, a couple ideas, and any final takeaways today? Uh, lastly, I'll say that the CPI report for the month of October comes out on November 14th. Um, I think there's a good chance, Andy, that the handle on the CPI year-over-year headline will be less than 8%. So last month it was 8.2, um, and I, my guess is it'll be closer to 7.8, but I think it definitely will be under 8%. That will resurrect <laughs> the idea that, oh, hey, now the Fed will be able to go 50 basis points uh, in December instead of 75. That's why I think we have a pullback. And then another push higher towards those higher numbers that we talked about earlier. Big thanks to Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. And give him that email real quick, Jim. Jim Welsh macro at gmail.com. And that's Welsh like? W-E-L-S-H, not like the grape juice. All right. <laughs> Always appreciate it. We'll talk again real soon. I'll see you, Jim. Hey, thanks so much, Andy. Appreciate uh, chatting with you. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts Listen to every MLB game live The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone Stream minor league affiliates The Midwest League home run leader And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.